from 1011 now. I went to Nebraska. I was like, man, it's kind of far away, but you know, I got to do what's best for me at the end of the day. And the 1011 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. It doesn't matter what I want. It's not going back. Oh. It's not going back. This is the way it's going to be. You know, I think the landscape of college football is changing a lot uh, with some of these new rules, and I think it's going to continue to change. This is the End Report Podcast. You don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. So I want, I want guys to have those type of uh, practices every day, weightlifting sessions every day, um, the little things that are going to help us win and the attitude that's going to help us win. Welcome into the End Report podcast. It is February 2nd, Groundhog's Day, but in the sports world, Kevin, this is National Signing Day. Before we get to that, we are about, oh, eight feet from my lovely co-anchor, Kelsey Passolt, right now. And I think you're a little jealous of her dinner. I mean, it's, it's dinner time. We're, I think we're blowing past dinner today. Hi chai. Hi chai. Man. Hi V Chinese food. That hits the spot about any time. Not an advertisement, just, Not a, at all. just a And one of, the, one of the great things about High Chai is it's just the stone throws away from the station. You can it get is. there and back and make it a pretty quick dinner Vine break. Street, 48th, R Street, 52nd. Fantastic people there. And if you go as the kitchen is starting to close, you might get a <laughs> discount every now and hey, again. Hey, fun fact, Kevin. High Chai, my first job ever. Really? Really. Only worked there for two months. They weren't a fan of my uh, high school football schedule. But, uh, yeah, first job. Now I'm extremely hungry. <laughs> and you have my mind on this track of uh, fantastic Chinese joints in Lincoln. And there are many, uh, thankfully several within the, uh, you know. The vicinity. The, the, the five-mile radius. You know how in recruiting, to bring it back to National Signing Day, they talk about the 500-mile radius. Well, <laughs> the five-mile radius from 1011. You've got some excellent uh, eating spots if you're craving Chinese food. Well, I know people are craving recruiting coverage, so so let's give it to them. Nebraska signs. This, can it signs how many players? 18 players okay. in the 2022 recruiting class. And the reason why I suspect that you paused is because the, the numbers, math is a little. The math is. I'm very a math difficult. guy, Kevin, and this math is a little weird. Well, in a traditional sense, it would just be one signing day and there would be one class. Now you have one class divided into two signing days. For Nebraska, there were 16 players who signed in the December signing period. They added two on National Signing Day in February. So that brings the grand total for this class to 18. But Kevin, I just, I just counted up the roster and there's 34 new players. Because of the transfer portal. So okay. in addition to the recruiting class, you know you now have transfer additions. And if you look at the transfer additions, those of which that come from junior college are a part of the number of 18 from the recruiting class. So if we haven't confused you, you're a genius. <laughs> Trying to keep the scholarship number under 85, tracking who's going, who's coming, how many do I have left? How, can, how many can I offer? Do I have to pull any back? I mean, that's a full-time job at Nebraska. Scott Frost even joked on Wednesday that, you know, the quarterbacks alone with the transfer portal this offseason, and we all know that was a wild, adventurous saga. He said it was like lotto balls banging around. 
And so when Nebraska had Adrian Martinez leave, and Scott did not mention Adrian by name, but we can all deduce what he, he said. He said, I think, when we had a quarterback leave the program. Correct. <laughs> and then he likes where the program ended with the transfer portal additions at the quarterback spot. Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, two of the bigger quarterback targets that Nebraska really identified early on in this transfer portal mania situation and knowing that Adrian was going to move on and and pursue another opportunity for his final season of college eligibility. But Nebraska, as we look at these numbers, two are of the most important position on the football field, quarterbacks. Not to mention Richard Torres was a part of the December signing period. He's one of the 18. He is one of the 18. So we are going to hear a lot from Scott Frost today. You've heard from us a ton. Scott Frost talked for about 30 minutes. Uh, We've kind of broken it down by position. Uh, We'll briefly touch on things, and then we'll we'll play what what he had to say because – He's, he's the head coach. He's, he's the expert. And before we get into some of those audio clips that you put together, Bill, and I thank you for doing that, I want to state this. Scott seemed to be re-energized, seemed to have great enthusiasm, and I think he was very honest Dare and I genuine. Dare I say playful with the media? Absolutely. And I think that most people maybe would have suspected from Scott, given all that has transpired over the past 10 weeks, he maybe would have been fatigued, and that would have been understandable because he has had to fill four coaching spots and then a fifth coaching spot when Tony Tuioti left, restructure his coaching staff, manage his current roster, Cam Taylor-Britt declaring for the NFL draft, Cam Jurgens declaring for the NFL draft, some of the players that had the option to return, some players had the option to come back, figuring out what the retention rate was going to be within the roster. And then, oh, by the way, you still have to put together this recruiting class. But now as of, let's just say February 3rd, because that's the day after this signing, uh, signing day is over, I believe this coaching staff can take a deep breath. They have a pretty good handle on what the roster looks like for next year. And, oh, by the way, spring football starts later this month. That's perfect. Uh, a perfect lead into our first soundbite, which is actually a question you asked the coach about that very thing. What have the last two months been like for you? Oh, by the way, he also had to battle COVID in the middle of it all. Been a lot of changes. Some of it, I think, was needed. Some of it was not a lot of fun to do. Um, you know, some of the guys that aren't here anymore are were my best friends, and uh, they're great guys and good coaches. Um, but I'm also really comfortable with the guys we have now. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's been a lot of fun for me to be in the room, um, talking some new ideas and new ball with people. I think you're, if, if you're done learning, you're done growing. And uh, I think we're able to show them some things that we did that were really good. And, and I'm learning from those guys too. Uh, it's also freed me up to, to be more of a head coach because when I walk out of the room, man, Coach Whipple's got it dialed in. So. Uh, it doesn't require my attention all the time, and, and that, that's going to allow me to spend more time with the players and do some other things that, uh, that I look forward to doing every day. He was pretty frank there, Kevin. It can't be easy to fire your best friends. No, and I think there's no coincidence that Scott seems to be in a good, playful, re-energized mood when he's talking about 
the new way he is viewing his job as Nebraska's head football coach, that his sleeves aren't rolled all the way up and his fingerprints aren't on everything. And he says one of the biggest uh, pieces of success as a coach is relationships. And if he has less of his attention going on the strategy and player development and more of that CEO perspective, of course those relationships are probably going to be a little bit more looser and a little more playful and perhaps even stronger. Quick roster breakdown. So we crunched the numbers a little bit, then we'll go, uh, go by positions. Uh, Nebraska currently has 153 players. 34 of them are new. Obviously, this includes both walk-ons and scholarship players. Nebraska's roster is currently made up of 72% sophomores, redshirt freshmen, and freshmen. There are only 14 seniors on the 2022 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yes, the, the, the year is a little bit misleading, though, Bill. Well, some of these redshirt freshmen are going right. to be entering their third year Because there's playing. a COVID year in there. So some players that on the roster are sophomores, by reality, they are juniors. And academically, yeah. <laughs> in, in terms of their uh, college tenure, they would be juniors. But, yes, that, that is fact right there. And Nebraska, while some people may look at the recruiting ranking and say, well, this class, it only has 18 players. This class ranks ninth in the Big Ten. Here's the deal with that. Rivals has it at, what, 38th in the country? 38th in the country, which is a jump, especially after the additions on signing day of A.J. Allen and then also Janiron Bonner, who is the receiver from the Atlanta area. Both four-star prospects, by the way, which do give the Huskers a bump. But the, the numbers from the recruiting class are not gaudy. So I understand that some folks that aren't entrenched in recruiting talk may just look at the numbers and be perhaps discouraged. The coaching staff, most notably Scott Frost, said from the beginning, they're going to take a smaller class. Right, because these recruiting the numbers team. don't include transfer additions. Exactly. Instead, Frost and his staff put a greater focus and attention on the transfer portal. And odds are, when you hit the portal, you're getting players that have a little bit more college experience and are more impact players immediately, as opposed to getting a player, say a three-star from you name the state, might require some development. And that individual is transitioning from high school football to college football. That sounds like a bit of a project. And of course, there are countless examples of that project working. More times than not, those players start to contribute on the backside of their college careers. But if you get a guy like Casey Thompson, and I'm not saying he's gonna start in 2022 at quarterback Neither was Nebraska, Scott Frost. But there is just so much of a greater opportunity for him to contribute right away for the Huskers. And that's where the strategy came in for Frost and this coaching staff was to hit the portal because they know the patience is thin and they know that the results need to occur in 2022. It's Frost's fifth year. He is taking a pay reduction this year. He has made staff changes. They needed a change with the roster and boy, oh boy, did they do that ever by this infusion of new players. And a good portion of that infusion is transfer portal guys. And the hope there is that it lends itself to immediate results. 
And so it's been a big task for Frost and his coaches to identify guys that can come in and make an impact right away. You've brought up Casey Thompson a couple times already. You said Chubba Purdy's name. Let's go right there. This is what Coach Frost had to say today about his quarterback room. As, as some of these quarterbacks were bouncing around like lotto balls, you know, there's, there's only so many landing spots because some guys have their guy. Um, you know, we were one of the schools once uh, our quarterback from last year left that uh, a lot of, I think a lot of people were interested in and um, feel good about where we landed. We usually carry five Sam scholarship guys. We were down to, to three returning. Um, so, so we felt like we needed to get the numbers back up. Uh, looking forward to some competition at some of these positions and that being one of them. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, new faces and new additions that are going to be able to compete with our guys and push them. Um, we're going to let the best man win, but uh, we, we felt like in order to get that position back to where it should be that, uh, that maybe adding two and, and if we could find the two right ones that we wanted them. But yeah, first of all, his dad's an option quarterback, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Tommy Fraser and Eric Crouch and Turner Gill and Dee Dowis and even Mickey Joseph. Um, it's a dying fraternity, but I got to see uh, his dad the other day, and it was great to see and talk a little football with him. Uh, the biggest thing I've noticed so far, we haven't gotten a chance to see him do much um, with the football or anything, but the, the biggest thing I notice already is just the leadership coming from those guys and the energy coming from those guys, and that's what a quarterback's supposed to do, uh, supposed to pick up the level of play from everybody around him. And, uh, that's tough to do in your first week on campus or your first two weeks on campus, but, but he's doing it. Uh, look forward to working with him, have Coach Whipple work with him. Uh, same with Chubba has been doing a great job with that too, along with the other quarterbacks. But um, we, need, we need leadership from that position, and we need a guy that's going to say, hey, I'm, get behind me, I, we're going to go win this thing, and, and I'm going to lead you there. And um, you get that feel from those guys. There's a lot of narratives around that – uh, aren't really based in fact. Um, he's going to have every opportunity to start, and he knows that. Uh, the other guys are going to get their opportunities too, and uh, we got a long time to work with them and a spring ball and a fall camp to figure it all out. But clearly, the money is on Casey Thompson, right? Right now, as, as day one starter? You know, That's Casey the, Vega, the, the Vegas odds. Let's, are you just, just going to mention that? You... you jokingly mentioned Casey Thompson about Vegas odds to be a Nebraska starting quarterback. You know, Casey Thompson has showed up on a few early Heisman projections. Yeah, he was. Well, I mean, the last I saw, he was, I think, like 30th down there in, in, in players. But his name's on the list. Right. You can and go to Vegas and bet on Casey Thompson to win the Heisman. You're not going to have a guy on the Heisman list that's a not a starting quarterback. His odds are long. So that's the point that I guess we're trying to make is – Yes, he is the favorite to win the starting quarterback job. Uh, and he does come with more experience than anybody on Nebraska's roster at the quarterback position. I thought it was interesting that, you know, they have had a smaller quarterback room over the past few years, obviously because Adrian Martinez was the guy at that position. However, there have been some injuries that have occurred that have forced Nebraska to move down the depth chart and have other players contribute at quarterback. But now they've bolstered the room. Having a, a, a five-scholarship quarterback room, that's not too untraditional. It's just something the Hoskers haven't seen 
over the past few years. Yeah, you got Casey Thompson, who's listed as a junior right now. Logan Smothers, listed as a sophomore. Heinrich Harburg, listed as a redshirt freshman. Chubba Purdy, listed as a redshirt freshman. Richard Torres, listed as a true freshman. So they're spaced out, too. It's going to be an interesting spring. And I think that's one thing fans will monitor very closely is, will Nebraska have one of those quarterbacks emerge to the point that that individual will head into summer workouts and then fall camp as the undisputed starter? I don't know that the coaching staff will go there. I think they will want the competition to continue to play out through the summer months. But it, it may become so apparent that Casey Thompson is that much further ahead than Chubba Purdy, or vice versa. It could happen. Highly unlikely, though. Um, but well, let's not discount Logan Smothers. I know there are a lot of fans that really enjoy watching. I mean, watching he's got as much playing experience as Chubba Purdy. I mean, they've each played in about one game, right? And, by the way, Logan Smothers started, and he played against a rival school and gave the Huskers a chance to win against a team uh, that went to a New Year's Bowl game. He played well. First three quarters, fourth quarter was rough, but yeah, you can't discount Logan Smothers, and you, we can't discount your surprise prediction of 2022 and, and Heinrich Harvard. So let's move on to running backs. This is a full room right now. This is a room that has eight players in it. No, excuse me, sorry, that's quarterbacks. Running back, 14 players, including three new additions. You've got Anthony Grant, you've got A.J. Allen, and you've got Emmett Johnson. Do you, I don't like predictions here, it's so early, but, I mean, would you give the edge to Gabe Irvin, who's going to miss most of the spring, to Jacquez Yant, or Ramir Johnson, who started most of the games through the end of the season, or to A.J. Allen, a four-star, a four-star recruit, Anthony Grant, a running back, Juco transfer. Emmett Johnson, who's not joining until, until May. You make no picks. You just seriously let this thing play out because if you recall fall camp last year, there was never really a true leader. And even as the season played out, yes, it, it, it ended up being Ramir Johnson on the back half of the season. But that's after a few things unfolded with Jacquez Yant learning that you know, he didn't quite stay in the shape the coaching staff wanted him to be in. And Gabe Irvin got hurt in the Oklahoma game. So I, I don't know that there is a favorite in the running back room, but there's a, verse, there's a, there's a diverse skill set there in terms of what each of those running backs bring to the table. And I do believe, you know, if you look at what Michigan did with Hassan Haskins, you know, he's a young guy that came in and just started becoming one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, if not in college football. It can happen. So that makes you believe that it can happen for a freshman. And you should never just say, oh, he's a freshman, probably going to have to wait his time. That's not the way. Well, that was Gabe Irvin last year. I mean, yeah. he, he was taking most of the snaps right before he got injured. But I'm just saying at a Hassan Haskins level. Right. Like, right. He was elite. And so you shouldn't just discount a young player and say they can't because they are 18 years old, oh boy, should we go down that train, you know, with Wisconsin's running back? I mean, <laughs> seven, the, 17 years 17 old. at the time, 18 now. But the point is, it is very possible, and it's not far-fetched to say a guy like A.J. Allen or a guy like Emmett Johnson couldn't come into Nebraska 
and become that level of a player. You just don't know. And that's one of the one of the great mysteries and one of the fascinating aspects of college football. Here's Coach Frost on his running back room. We did a good job at that position last year, but we needed to get better. Um, we were really young at the position. Um, you know, Ramir being a sophomore and Yant basically a freshman and Gabe a freshman and, and other guys. Um, we were short numbers there too. And, and so we've added a few here uh, with AJ being the latest. And, and again, I think the talent level in that room, watching them run around, is going to be really good. Um, they're learning new uh, terminology and, a little, and some new scheme right now, just like everybody else. And um, may the best man win. Well, again, I wanted to add some talent in, in, to that position. Uh, we're young at that position, love who we have, but wanted to had, add some competition too. Uh, we actually had a couple coaches that went to a junior college game or two to watch an, a kid on another team, um, and Anthony stood out. Uh, you know, he's had one chance in another school and uh, had to go back to junior college. So, you know, this is his second chance. and. Um, hopefully he takes advantage of it. He's definitely a, a talented guy watching him run around, and uh, he's going to have an opportunity just like everyone else. Coach Frost talking about Anthony Grant there, the JUCO transfer, transfer from New Mexico Military Institute. And he's not lying. That room is young. Marquis Stepp and Grant are listed as juniors. Twelve other RBs, all sophomores or freshmen. It's a full room. And as we talk about full room, let's now go to wide receiver. because Well, let's talk about full room also with a brand new coach. <laughs> right. So, so right. anything is like, possible. I mean, that is, a, that is wide open. Absolutely. And, you know, Brian Applewhite comes in, and that's the primary reason that A.J. Allen chose Nebraska because he had previously committed to TCU. And for those of you that – Um, didn't know A.J. Allen is one of those individuals on signing day that made the flip. So he took his all the way up to his decision after decommitting from TCU all the way up to signing day to make his choice. And we we didn't even – I didn't include this nugget in that Coach Frost soundbite, but Frost had a little bit today about how he didn't know who A.J. Allen was until he hired Brian Applewhite. And Brian Applewhite said – I've got a guy put on the film, and what did Frost say? Within a two-play guy. Two plays, and he was sold on, okay, this, this kid can play. Let's get serious about him. And then they went after him pretty hard and recently had an in-home visit with him, and Nebraska ends up getting A.J. Allen, and perhaps he's one of the, the splash landings of this uh, recruiting class in 2022. That's a good point, Bill, though. Um, Ryan Held had been the coach of the running backs at Nebraska, and, of course, he had worked with these guys. You have a completely fresh set of eyes. So as we navigate through our conversation, you know, this is going to be a recurring theme of having new individuals evaluate talent in practice. New talent and old talent. Absolutely. Because, and of course, they're going to um, respect and hold in high regard those that are leaders in the locker room. However, you can be a leader in the locker room that does not play on the field. I know it's an interesting dynamic, and some people may have just raised their eyebrow, but there are multiple examples. Even think to Adrian Martinez when he was benched in the 2020 season. The first player that comes to my mind, and he played, but he only played on special teams, is a player like Brandon Rigoni in the mid-2000s. Absolutely. So 
while a veteran player that has some respect amongst the peers and that represents the program out in the community and does all the right things, they could still be a leader, but yet if the coach sees them underperform on the field, they won't be on the field. Frost even said as much on Wednesday when he was meeting with reporters for the first time in about two months. He made a comment in the vein of, if they're not getting it done, we'll find somebody that will. And that's a pretty hard and fast line that I think some fans questioned over the past few years. There were players that made mistakes, yet they continued to get playing time. And that was a part of the frustration from a good portion of the fan base, that they saw guys routinely make mistakes, yet there wasn't a move made or a change made personnel-wise. Perhaps it was a relationship situation. Perhaps it was, Bill, frankly, the gap between one and two might have been that great. And that's the point of these roster additions here this offseason. The 30-plus number is that maybe the gap has narrowed between one and two. So if there is bad habits, underperformance, discipline, whatever it may be, one is removed, two is upgraded, and then it's done. Got more than two wide receivers on a field at the time. That wide receiver room, a lot of new names, a lot of existing names that people are hoping maybe can finally reach their potential. What is the number of receivers for Nebraska? It, it's, it's a huge number. Nebraska has 21 receivers, including five new names. And being coached by Mickey Joseph. So this is going to be fun. What can Mickey Joseph do with some of these four-star prospects? What can Mickey Joseph do with some of the players like Xavier Betts currently on the roster? Scott Frost, you know, he can't watch football activity right now, but he can see them work out. And he said that they, they run great. You know, they move really well. So, and that shouldn't be surprising if you've seen some of the guys on Nebraska's roster that they have at the wide receiver position. The addition, Omar Manning, yeah. Xavier Betts, the, 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 these guys are freak specimens. Now how can they translate some of their physical tools to being good football players? And that's where Mickey Joseph comes in. The newest additions, of course, are Bonner, the one who flipped today. Uh, he was a Georgia Tech commit, correct? correct? Um, but had offers from Auburn, Georgia, chose Nebraska. Of course, to Coldis Crawford, Victor Jones Jr. from Orlando, who uh, the coaching staff knew from their days at UCF. And then you got the two transfers, and these are pretty big. Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda and, of course, Trey Palmer from LSU, who followed his coach, Mickey Joseph. Don't know how much Palmer is going to play on offense. He didn't do a ton at LSU. He was more of a return specialist. He got 300-plus yards this year. I think there's great opportunity for him to be on the field for Nebraska. And Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, you know, I haven't looked yet at some of the uh, media picks for – they're super six. I know 24-7 sports does that all the time. Um, I look forward to reading that and see where does he land. Because I imagine his name's going to be on there a few I times. think it's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere just because he has college experience. He comes to Nebraska from New Mexico State. Had a productive career there. I'm for not a bad saying, team. Productive for a bad team, which you could either look at he was the one who, who, who shined 
despite having uh, you know lackluster players behind him. And from my understanding, he got he got quite a few offers despite leaving a poor team. You hope that he is more Samari Torre than kind of I know. Kind of I know it. That's exactly where I was going with because these are both examples of a productive receiver that transferred to Nebraska. And Samari Torre right now is really turning some heads from uh, an NFL perspective because he's working out uh, East West Shrine Bowl, right? at the East West Shrine Bowl. And there are some videos out on social media of like, look at this guy from Nebraska. And he was here just a hot minute. He was here for one season, had a good year, was a downfield threat for the Huskers. So um, perhaps well, the Huskers in receiving last year. Perhaps that's the role in which Isaiah Garcia Castaneda takes on at Nebraska. He's a junior, so the Huskers will get him for two seasons. Here's Coach Frost on his wide receiver room. See consistency. Um, those guys all had flashes of brilliance last year at certain times, and and other times when it, it wasn't what we expected. Um, Experience is certainly going to help with that, and hopefully Mickey helps with that. Uh, they're going to have a lot of guys on their heels and chasing them uh, with Isaiah here and with um, some of the other additions that we've made and Trey and, and some of the other guys. So, um, you know, if they're not doing the right thing, somebody else is going to be on the field, and, and that's the way it's going to be at every position. More than just a trio, I think there's a, a bunch of guys. Again, we've been able to watch the guys run, not not do any football stuff, but just, just run and um, – and we got some guys that can move, um, some of the guys that have been here and some of the guys that are new. So uh, we, should, we should be able to field a bunch of guys that uh, we feel comfortable being on the field. And again, they're going to get a chance to compete to see which ones are starting. And let's be realistic, Kevin. The biggest addition to the Huskers in this offseason is probably in that wide receiver room and probably isn't a player. Mickey Joseph. Mickey Joseph might be the biggest addition of the offseason. Well, you know how I feel about Mickey Joseph. I think it's just the biggest move Nebraska made during the offseason from a recruiting perspective and also for what he can do in terms of coaching the position of wide receiver. What did you say the number was that Nebraska has on the roster? 21 wide receivers. So I look at it perhaps this way. Out of the 21, somebody's got a hit, right? It's almost like you went and bought a lot of lottery tickets knowing that there's going to be the one that's going to essentially pay off what you just spent and perhaps even earn you some more money, as opposed to just buying a few, keeping your fingers crossed, and hoping that you hit on one of them. Well, and I, think, I think a lot of Husker fans believe that Omar Manning and Xavier Betts are close to being hits. Oliver Martin, if he can stay healthy, is close to being a hit. And then you add this influx of new players. Again, five new players in the wide receiver room. Like you said, the odds are likely in your favor that at least somebody is a Samari Toure. And with Mickey Joseph coaching the group, you've got to believe that there is going to be a guy, right? And with Casey Thompson throwing the football, or Chuppa Purdy, <laughs> that there's going to be a guy that is just going to hopefully have a breakout season. We'll take a break from talking about players right now, and we'll get into those staff additions. I really enjoyed what, what Coach Ross had to say uh, about these additions and about the influx of new ideas uh, and how the ideas and the language and the marriage that has to happen before spring ball starts, which is in, oh, yeah, 26 days. What is the offense? Like, how much of Scott Frost's influence is going to be on the offense? 
Is he learning Mark Whipple's language, or is Scott Frost keeping his language and Mark Whipple learning Scott's language? That's something we will learn at the, be- at the end of February and all throughout March during uh, spring football. But that's a legit question right now, because this offense right now, you don't know exactly what form it will take, especially if Whipple is going to be calling the plays. A reminder, if you have been uh, living under a rock over the last two months, your new coaches, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mark Whipple, Brian Applewhite, running backs coach Bill Bush, special teams coordinator. Mike Dawson is not new, but he takes over outside linebackers along with the interior of the defensive line. Mickey Joseph, wide receivers, and Donovan Raiola with the offensive line. It's been interesting with guys coming from different places. You know, the the staff that we had had been together so long that um, we all spoke the same language, knew the same things. Uh, That was good from a continuity standpoint. Uh, Maybe not great from a a fresh idea standpoint. And uh, now it's kind of flipped. We have a lot of fresh ideas and a little bit of a language barrier. Um, But we've been meeting a lot. Uh, Gosh, there's smart guys in that room and good coaches in that room. Uh, We've been, like I said, uh, going into the hiring, we've been trying to marry the systems, and I think done a good job of that so far, trying to keep as much in our language as we can, uh, but getting to the schemes that uh, that we agree on and Coach Whipple wants to run. So it's been fun to be in a room with, with guys coming from different places with a little different slant on things and, and trying to put it all together. I'm really comfortable with where it is. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, you don't realize how many individual line calls based on looks and how many rules and how many protection changes and uh, names of routes and everything that that there are and how much our kids have to learn. Uh, It's really like learning a language and it's like learning sign language when we're signaling the plays in. Um, So we got to get our coaches comfortable with with our terminology and uh, married as much as we can and then the kids are going to have to learn a few new things too and that's a process, so we won't be completely done with that for a long time. I'm sure there'll still be things that come up. So there's a lot of work ahead, but I'm really comfortable how it's going and where we are. You'll get to know Whip, so I don't want to describe his personality for you, but, man, he's smart and sharp, um, knows what he wants, knows what he, knows what he does. And, and if you're going to be in charge and take something over, you know, you got to be really confident. Coaching's pretty simple, really. At the end of the day, you make relationships with kids so they, they trust you, and if you know what you're talking about and can communicate it clearly, uh, you can get there, and he does a great job with all those things. Bill's, Bill's going to be full-time special teams, and, it, and you know if you've been in Nebraska, that's been an issue for us. Um, he was able to help us uh, from a scheming standpoint last year with special teams, and I think a lot of, in a lot of ways we got better. It was tough with him not being able to uh, be out on, out on the field coaching, so um, that's going to take up a lot of his time, and then he's going to probably assist with, with a position on defense, and, and that's yet to be determined. There's an interesting little tidbit that he just threw in there at the end. What, do you, what, what position group do you imagine Bush helping out with? Somewhere on defense? He's coached what, safeties before. Where is that somewhere? Don't know. Mike Dawson, I think, has an interesting role because he's interior defensive line and outside linebackers. Coaching both of those, those groups simultaneously, I think, seems a little challenging. I don't know if he will assist with one of those. You imagine Chenander might take, you, take that JoJo Doman rollover a little bit? I believe so. I believe so. And we've spoken on previous podcasts about Chenander's versatility and the pay raise that he receives. Uh, well-deserved, by the way. Um, but, yeah, the, 
the Bill Bush, what else is he going to do? Don't know. But that's, that's the luxury of having a veteran coach like that. I think Coach Frost is saying he's not going to be Bruce Reed. What do you mean by that? Well, the story you've shared is that, you know, full-time special teams coach who gets paid a whole lot of money, comes for 15 minutes of practice and says, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, well, 15 seems a little bit undershooting. Well, I, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying, though. That the specialists don't spend two and a half hours at practice right. kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking because then you're gonna, there's going to be some fatigue on the body, and it, it just, it's going to be counterproductive at a point. So one thing about coaching specialists is making sure that you are doing mental work and you're doing some of the physical work in moderation. So when the in-moderation portion happens, what is that coach doing? A lot less focus on the defensive side of the ball today, though there were plenty of additions. Uh, really, I, th- I, th- I thought there was a massive focus to beef up the secondary between safeties and cornerbacks. I mean, you lost Cam Taylor-Britt, you lost Markel Dismuke, you lost Deontay Williams. Three of your four starters in the secondary. Got to fill the gaps. And three really good players, productive players, veteran players, and, and guys that that coaching staff can just trust, Bill. So not only are you looking for production on the field, you're looking for some leaders to emerge in the secondary. Um, of course, the, the offense is going to get all the headlines in spring, right? Everybody at, at you know, we can just oversimplify it. Everybody wants so. to see the quarterbacks. Right. And they want to see Casey Thompson. They want to see Chubba Purdy. Then they're going to want to see Mickey Joseph and this large group of wide receivers. They're going to want to see the running backs. Who's got the lead? Probably won't know. And then it's like the footnote is the secondary. But yet it's almost as important to the equation for the Huskers for next year as any of those spots. Just because you do lose so much. And, you know, you mentioned the three. JoJo Doman you know, was in that nickel spot, the hybrid spot, could cover the slot. I mean, losing JoJo may be the biggest hole in terms of defensive production the Huskers have to try to fill this year. Some of the big names uh, coming into the secondary right now, Omar Brown, transfer from Northern Iowa, Jaden Gould, Malcolm Herzog, Tommy Hill, uh, transfer from Arizona State, who was recruited by Nebraska Went to Arizona State, now choosing to come to Nebraska. Uh, and Javier Morton, also uh, listed as a sophomore, the uh, Juco from, from Garden City. Here's what Coach Frost had to say about defensive backs earlier today. We're short there, particularly at safety uh, numbers. And um, we have a lot of experience returning at, at almost every position. Uh, basically, secondary was the one where we lost quite a bit. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt going and Deontay and Markel. Um, so we wanted to go out and try to find uh, at least two corners and a safety. Uh, love the guys we added, watching them run around. There's some real athletes in that group. Um, you know, Fish and Chins have their work cut out to get those guys ready to play, but, uh, but feel good about the, the talent that we added to that position. Jaden Gould, probably the guy that a lot of folks are going to want to see immediately. He's a freshman corner. He was the highest rated high school player that Nebraska signed this year and with the absences or with the holes that are are currently open in the secondary there is opportunity for gold as a freshman to come in and get a look 
Deshaun Singleton also has a safety from Hutchinson Community College. Could get a strong look uh, in spring. Breaking down the numbers, uh, Nebraska 21 defensive backs, 7 safeties. That's 28 in the room. Nine of them brand new. About one-third of the players in the secondary never been to Lincoln or play, never, never uh, put on a Husker jersey uh, until February 28th. Right, and as we talk about the opportunity to play right away, it's, it's highlighted even more because one of the departures that I think really hurts for the Huskers is when in Ho'ohuli, the uh, big signing from the previous year's class that uh, he has transferred out of the program going back to his home state of Hawaii. Um, but that's, he was an All-American, a high school All-American, and somebody I know that the coaches really enjoyed having in the program in 2021. We'll briefly hit on the linebackers. Not a whole lot new. Jake Applegate, of course, uh, from Lincoln Southeast, the hometown product, uh, listed at 6'4", 210. Uh, he's going to have to obviously put on some weight probably before he sees, sees a lot of action. Inside linebacker, no additions to the room outside of Ernest Hausman from Columbus. Yeah, well, Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer, have, they're here to stay, right? And right. they both had really good years. There's even a point in the season, Bill, where they ranked both of them individually in the top five in the Big Ten in tackles. And so Barrett Rood's done a really nice job grooming them, helping them, I would say, even overperform at the early stage of, uh, stages of their careers. Uh, Reimer is entering his junior year at Nebraska, uh, as is Nick Henrich. So... Um, we talked about 20, 28 players in the secondary, nine new, 22 linebackers, two new. They feel pretty good at that position. Yep, that's, that's just not a need. When, when coaches talk about their recruiting classes and what they target, need is a word that's commonly used. There just is not one for Nebraska. If you're to bring in a big-name linebacker, it's a crowded room. It's going to be hard to keep that player happy, especially in the age that we're in right now, Bill, where – the transfer portal and you can go and play immediately elsewhere, then it gets a little messy and a little bit hard to coach and manage the players you have in your room. And a lot of those linebackers are on scholarship also. Um, okay, we'll move to the, we'll finish with the trenches. Uh, no sound from, from Coach Frost on the, oh, I lied, I do. I have on the offensive line. So there were some offensive line additions. Hunter Anthony as a transfer from Oklahoma State, and then Kevin Williams, a native Nebraskan. Played at Omaha North, right? Correct. And then he went to Colorado, to not at the University of Colorado, Northern Colorado, I believe, uh, is where he spent his first few years of college football. But uh, he's transferred into this program, and given the situation Nebraska's in right now for the spring, these, these fellows are on campus right now, Bill. And we know Turner Corcoran. Teddy Prohaska, they're not going to participate in spring football because of injuries. So if you're new in the program, you're going to get an opportunity to impress the coaches right away. You're not seventh or ninth in the line as you're going through drills. Instead of seventh or ninth, you're third or fifth. And you know you're going to get more reps, you're going to get more of a look, and more of an opportunity to get coached. Justin Evans Jenkins uh, from New Jersey is the true freshman that signed with this class. Uh, here's Coach Frost on the offensive line. I like our talent there, and we got a lot of returning experience. Um, we thought we needed to add some guys uh, to get more bodies in the room. We were low on numbers there, too, coming off the season with a couple departures. So, um, you know, we got uh, a couple guys come in that are transfers. Uh, looking forward to just like the other positions I mentioned, to watching them compete against everybody else. We got a couple guys going to be out for spring. Uh, up front, so there's going to be a lot of reps. 
Um, some guys coming back that played a whole bunch last year that uh, looking forward to have Donnie work with to see if we can make some strides. And uh, I don't know for sure yet where the pieces will fit together up front, but uh, spring ball will help us tell that. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys in the conversation. Um, Turner's a guy I think is probably capable of playing all five positions if we needed him to. Uh, did a great job at left tackle, looked great at right tackle. We moved him over when Teddy played. Uh, Teddy and Turner are both going to miss spring with injuries, so they're around and learning and able to do some things. But again, that's going to help some other guys get reps, and uh, Turner in particular are probably going to have to figure out where he fits the best. Coach Frost hitting on that magical question there. Who's going to play center? Turner? Seemed like it was a possibility. Turner Corcoran started his uh, last game of his freshman years when the Huskers went up to Rutgers and played that uh, very bizarre Friday game in December. Brendan Hymas opted out. Right. Turner Corcoran slid in, played very well. He did. And then he had a starting job last year and became one of the main spokespersons for the offensive line. Um, was always up at our Monday news conferences. Uh, had an okay year. And now with some of the departures on the line, he's, he's the vet. He's the face. And but where is he going to play? Maybe he'll take over center. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Let's uh, move over to the, the defensive line. Uh, of course, uh, Mike Dawson's group, now that Tony Tuioti has left, this is, another, this is a spot where Nebraska really didn't add a whole lot. And I think a lot of people are wondering why. Ty Robinson. Casey Rogers. You, you got some players there. Garrett Nelson on the edge. Caleb Tanner. Right. Phil Darius Payne. I know he's more of an outside backer. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, there's just not as big of a need. However, do you, that, that do you envision if that? I mean, if that if that pass rusher hits the transfer portal, not one of not one of Nebraska's, but a pass rusher that Nebraska really likes, that could be one of the post spring additions. Without a doubt, you. I, that's that's you not never just a, <laughs> that's not a Nebraska I, I, thing, Bill. That I, is a college. I know. I I, you I joke that outside of quarterback, I think edge rusher is maybe the most important position on the field. If you see an elite, an elite pass rusher hit the portal, everybody's going to go after that individual because pass rushers can be game changers. And, and Nebraska's Garrett Nelson last... and Caleb Tanner have, have both played played honestly very fairly well um, at different spurts during their career, but but none have really been that. Just go get the quarterback yeah. whenever you need it. Nebraska the, hasn't. Randy Gregory? That's what I was just going to ask. Who is Nebraska's last consistently good edge pass, ru- pass rusher? Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory. You have to go back to 2014, 2015? I mean, that's been a while. I mean, we're almost rolling up on a decade in which Nebraska's had a guy that can just play with his hair on fire and get after the quarterback. Look at Michigan. I mean, they're not going to the college football playoff this year without – Aiden Hutchison. I totally agree with that. They can be game changers. But do I, do I anticipate Nebraska to, to add at that spot? I don't believe so. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. So there you have it. The offseason is almost over. Nebraska is probably going to go 13-0, and win the Big Ten championship, and make their first college football playoff. Right, Kevin? All right. Now you've had a little something. <laughs> 13 and 0. It's, it's uh, so I'm, I'm being facetious. What's obviously. interesting about Wednesday, National Signing Day, is 
the last few weeks, going back to when Casey Thompson committed to Nebraska, and they had that surge of portal additions, and then there's been this pretty nice upswing in terms of... We're talking about momentum here, right? Momentum, additions, coaching additions. Like, it's all been positive. And finally, we have a little bit of context and some support to it as opposed to just fans and some media members driving the storylines. Now you have the coach getting involved. And, let's, and that I'm, hasn't been the case for a the while. The two signees today, I mean, the two February signing day was a lot different five years ago, right? The two signees today, they were both late, late additions. They were flips. They were committed elsewhere. And Nebraska's coaching staff in the middle of January went and got them. And I think it's worth, it's worth pointing out that Nebraska was planning to have Scott Frost available to do this interview before these two individuals committed on signing day. This was going to happen whether A.J. Allen and uh, the receiver Bonner. from uh, Bonner, the receiver from the Atlanta area, before they committed. So there was going to be some context no matter what. And there was a number of topics to hit on. That's why, you know, if you're a Husker fan, you feel probably fulfilled at the end of the day. Just because. This is the, well, this is the first time we've heard Coach Frost talk about Casey Thompson and Jumbo Purdy. And about his coaching staff fully complete. First Bill time Bush and Brian Applewhite. First, yep. time, first time he's talked about Brian Applewhite, and he's been on campus for the last couple of weeks. So that's where I'm saying that the, the offseason hype I, I say that word cautiously, has been now paired with some coaching context from Scott Frost. I'm not saying it's going to slow down anytime soon, but it's like you just have a better sense of what's happening behind the walls at Memorial Stadium well, now. Well, the hype machine builds now with, with weightlifting and conditioning videos posted to social media. How do you feel when you see those? <laughs> uh, do you cringe? Are you all in? Because there was a time where when you saw one man... You're ready to run through a brick wall, right? Well, these are all these are all superhuman athletes, you know, specimens, and you're just, you, you know, you've, yeah, you're ready to run through a wall a little bit, but at the same time, it's kind of like, okay, well. But given the product you, on the field, given what's happened over the last five years, you can, you can still, I still, you'd still like to see it, and the production too. It's all well done, um, but it might not mean as much this spring. I think right. a lot of Husker fans are on the. Uh, let me let me uh, let me see what it looks like when the pads are on. And that's why I asked the question. If you, I guess the, we don't encourage anybody to do this, but maybe the best way to get a gauge for this is just look at the responses to some of those videos. There will be the Kool Aid Man from one post, and then the next post, somebody with an extremely pessimistic and snarky comment. And do they balance balance each other out? Not exactly, but it does just show the, the range of perspectives in which people react to seeing something, which, frankly, is just a little peeling back of the curtain from the program just to show the fans what they're doing. Exactly. And it builds excitement, and it builds excitement for a spring season that starts in February this year. February 28th, first day of spring practice. Because the red-white scrimmage is earlier than normal, this year for the Huskers, and I don't know if that's a byproduct of Nebraska playing in week zero. It could be all back times from Nebraska playing in in week zero in Ireland, and even that travel schedule being adjusted a little bit 
just because the Huskers, it's not like you're going to Champaign, Illinois this year, and you can hop on the plane on the February before the game. You're going to take off a few days before the game so you can get your legs under you, enjoy a bit of the experience, and then go play a football game overseas. We didn't talk about tight ends. I don't want to forget about tight ends really quickly. Uh, Travis Vokalek, going to miss most of spring, right? Right. Thomas Fedoni, step on up. He was in pads at the end of the season last year after he had uh, the leg injury, um, but now he's healthy. A.J. Rollins, Nebraska product. A.J. Rollins will get a look. Chris Hickman will get a James look. James Carney, the... Norris. Absolutely. So um, Chancellor know. Brewington. Have, have we mentioned everybody on the roster at this point? <laughs> I think so. Here's my last little fun fact about the roster for you. 78 offensive players compared to 60 defensive players. Don't they each play the same amount? What about... What, what about the specialists? 14. They're just excluded. 14. Nebraska's roster currently has four long snappers. <laughs> One of which will play. Excuse me. Yeah, four long snappers, four punters, six kickers. Got to hit on those spots too, Bill. All right, that's it for the End Report podcast this week. Uh, we've neglected Husker hoops for a little while. I know there's a lot that's been going on, both the men and the women. The women have won how many in a row, Kevin? Three in a row. The men have lost how many in a row? Big a lot. Big games? Over so far as of right now. Over 11 in conference play. We'll, a handful uh, of games by single yeah. digits. We'll and give it's our, getting painful to watch, right? Yeah. We'll give our midseason uh, Husker hoops grades Do next week. we have week. to? Yeah. Got to give the for people the what they want. For the women, okay. No. Sounds good. We're, we'll give it for both of them. Uh, you know, one might be an A, one might be a... Uh, not passing? <laughs> they're taking pass-fail, and it's not pass yet. No, one's definitely passing, that's for sure. <laughs> for Kevin Suits. And one is failing because they're not passing. <laughs> You're picking up what I'm putting down. For Kevin Suits, I'm Bill Shamert. We leave you with Coach Frost's thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm excited for those guys, not just Zach, but uh, Troy Walters is there, uh, Stanley Morgan is there. You talk about three great people um, that are dedicated to the game. So I, I was watching the game intently and um, sure thought the Chiefs were going to win it when they're up 21 to three, but I couldn't be happier for Zach and Troy and, and Stanley. Um, I got allegiance to the other team too. Raheem Morris is the D coordinator and he's really the guy that got me into coaching. Uh, so I'll be watching and, and trying to root for all those guys, and uh, it's going to be a fun game. You've been listening to the End Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.